Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Would you like to get out of here early? Probably not going to happen. I was just wanting to know. Hallelujah. Lord's good. I'm thankful for his mercy and his grace. Here we are in December, months halfway over. Today's the 15th, 10 days till Christmas. Nine days if you celebrate on Christmas Eve. Hallelujah. But Christmas is my favorite time of year. I'm a 325-pound kid. And it doesn't matter what's going on or what's happening in your life. When you hear Christmas music, you get happy. You know, when I hear that, Frosty the snowman was a jolly happy soul with a corncob pipe and a button nose, two eyes made out of coal. I'm four or five years old watching Frosty on a black and white TV. And those of you that are around my age know what it's like to be the remote control. Get up and go turn that to channel three. Oh, it's not coming in good. Go out there to the edge of the porch and turn the antenna a little bit. We'll yell when it's clear. We lived in the country. Out in the sticks. Based on my Facebook post yesterday, I was driving through where where I used to run when I was younger. And, you know, of course, it's all paved roads now, but it was gravel back then. But I hear Christmas songs, and I go back to that time. And I like the old Christmas songs. You know, at Christmas time, my mama would get out her records. You know, we had the big 33 and a third LPs. And mama would get out Eddie Arnold and stick it on there. And he'd start singing. City sidewalks, pretty sidewalks, dressed in holiday style. In the air, there's a feeling of Christmas. Children laughing, people passing, meeting smile after smile. And on every street corner you hear silver bells, silver bells. It's Christmas time in the city. Silver bells, silver bells, soon it will be Christmas Day. But we'd hear those old songs and... For me, like I said, it, it takes me back to when I was a kid. I, I, I'm a 325-pound kid. It comes to Christmas. We have three trees up in our house. My wife decorates them, but I like to look at them. We have a tradition. I get them out, and I put it together, and then I take a nap, and I wake up and say, that looks really pretty, honey. <laughs> so we have three trees. So that means I get to take three naps. But we have those songs. Not too crazy about the newer Christmas songs. But I like the old ones and I like the old hymns. We three kings of Orient are Bearing gifts we traverse afar. So 
Field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. Oh, star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. Hallelujah. You know that perfect light was Jesus. Hallelujah. This morning I get to, anytime I get the opportunity to preach in December, you're going to get a Christmas message. So this morning I want to talk about the three wise men. You know, the, the story of the three wise men coming to visit the Christ child is a very interesting story. You know, these men began to travel on a long trip to Israel because there was a star in the sky. Because of an unusual star, they set out. They made their trip. Because they knew, and, and they had been studying, and they had been reading, and they knew that when that star appeared, that the king of the Jews was being born. And so they traveled for months and months, and finally reached their destination to where they can meet the Christ child in person. And it's more than a story just to entertain us. It's something that can teach us about today, about seeking Jesus. Are you seeking him? You know, of course, I wonder what it would have been like if it would have been three wise women. First thing they would ask for directions, they probably got there quicker. Might have arrived on time and even helped deliver the baby. You never can tell. They had cleaned the stable up and brought something practical for the family. You know, they brought, brought a casserole or diapers or wet wipes or something, you know. Maybe there would have been peace on earth. But I want to talk this morning about some lessons that the wise men can teach us. You know, God makes every effort to reach out to every person on this earth. He makes every effort to reach out to every person that's strayed and far from him. You know, God used the star that night to reach pagan, Gentile, magician, astrologers, whatever you want to call them, in order to bring them to Jesus. You know, the first thing that we read about the wise men is when they arrive in Jerusalem, the Jewish capital. Uh, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now here's the thing. When they got to Jerusalem, they went to Herod. They went to the king. They went to the leader of the Jewish people and all of his religious leaders that he had around him and advising him. They went and asked him, hey, where's the one that's been born the king of the Jews? And Herod's sitting there like, what are you talking about? I'm the king of the Jews. I'm the ruler in this place. I'm, I'm sure he wasn't too happy. Hey, where's the one that's going to take your place? But they went to the Jewish leader and, and the, leader, the religious leaders to ask about him. They were on a mission. They wanted to find this newborn king of the Jews and worship him. And, and what's fascinating about these guys is what they can teach us about God. 
You know, God makes every effort to reach every person, no matter how far they are from him. So first thing we've got to do is we've got to remember the, these wise men were more than likely Gentiles. They weren't Jews. And they weren't Jews that were coming to, to see the king of the Jews. They were Gentiles. They were the furthest thing you could get from being a Jew. You know, the Jews thought that the promised Messiah was for the Jews, but the first ones that come seeking him after the shepherds are Gentiles. You know, all the first followers of Jesus were almost exclusively all Jews. And here's the thing, the Christ was supposed to deliver them from, from their sins. He was supposed to deliver them from their oppressors. And the signal to the wise men was that was God was calling them as Gentiles to come to Jesus. They saw the star. They'd been studying the scriptures. They'd been looking at prophecy. Second thing. They didn't share the religion of the Jews. They were Magi. The Magi were a combination of scientists and astrologers. You know, they knew science as well as magic. They were the academics of their time. They were the college professors. They were the teacher. They were the learned men. They were the smart guys. But they were still magicians and astrologers. You know, those are practices that God says stay away from. So something we can learn here is God doesn't abandon anybody. There's never anyone too far gone. If God can reach a pagan, Gentile, astrologer, he's still working on the people that you care about and that we might think are too far gone. God never gives up on anyone and he uses whatever he has to do to get to them. In this case, God sent them a message using an astronomical event. He sent them a star as a signal that they needed to make their journey and, and search for the child that was born king of the Jews. Even though God said astrology is wrong, he still used the star to bring the wise men to Jesus. God used a language that they understood. You know, whenever uh, the angels appeared to the shepherds, he used a language that they understood. Told them, go, you know, the baby's lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. Go and worship him. If the angels would have appeared to the Magi, they probably wouldn't have understood it. They probably got it wrong. But because it was a star, because it was something that they understood, and they had been reading and studying and looking at, at Scripture, then they knew it's time. They knew they were so, supposed to come. And God used that star to bring the Magi to Christ. You've got to remember this. Not everybody is raised in church. They don't know church language. They don't understand their need to seek out Jesus. You know, a lot of times we're baffled why people don't participate in church. And a lot of times because they don't know how. Jason Crabb recorded a song uh, a couple of years ago. The title of it was Sometimes I Cry. But the first verse of it was, I play my part, fit in with the rest of the church crowd. I know the routine have a list of the Bible studies in town. Watch Christian TV, know all the preachers and all their cliches. Been born again, without a doubt, I know I'm saved. But just because you know all the things to do doesn't mean that you're saved. You know, we can put on an act really well sometimes when we're just broken all to pieces. 
we hide behind a smile whenever everything is falling apart. But not everybody's raised in church. Not everybody knows the things to say. Not, not everybody knows the things to do. Not everybody knows when to raise their hands and, and when to praise and when to pray and, and what to do. You know, they don't have any foundation. It wasn't part of their upbringing. They don't know that they're supposed to seek him. And so God comes to them sometimes in ways that they can understand like he did to Magi. God becomes relevant to us where we're at. And that's why he came in the flesh. So he could be like one of us. So he could talk to people in their own language so that he could see things through their eyes. So that he would know how they felt and what it felt like to be hungry. And to know what it was like when a friend died to feel loss. Came to eat their food, experience their culture. Also, he could tell us of our need and tell us how to find him. And God expects us to do the same thing for other people. God wants, uh, doesn't want us to compromise our integrity or violate his commandments, but he expects us to be like him and use whatever we can do to get to somebody to tell them about Jesus. I believe it was the Apostle Paul that said, I've become all things to all men that I might by any means win some. We got to do what we got to do to get them to Jesus. You know, think of a person that, that you think maybe is too far gone, somebody that you think will never come to Christ as their Savior. And just remember this God continues to love them, He's still working on them, and He still wants them. To, God still wants to bring them to a relationship with Jesus. And he wants us to help them get there. We do that by seeing God working in, in their lives, by seeing God working in our lives. Maybe help them understand that God's trying to get your attention. So what does God want us to do? God wants us to diligently seek him. God wants us to seek him with our full heart, with our, with our full mind. You know, uh, we need more than just knowledge about God. We need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, I think that something that the wise men can teach us is to seek him. And by that, I, I don't mean try and seek out knowledge and everything, but seek a relationship with God. Where we talk to him, we pray to him, we, we seek him in, in everything that, that we do. You know, we can have all the knowledge in the world about the Bible. We can follow all of God's commandments and still miss out on what faith is all about. And that's having a relationship with Jesus. You know, these Gentile pagan astrologers, you know, they only had partial information about a Jewish Messiah. But they set off on a journey of faith to find Christ, the king of the Jews. Some estimates say it was between 500 and 1,000 miles that they traveled. Took them a little while to find Jesus. Verse 11 of, of Matthew chapter 2 says this, And when they had come to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Doesn't say they found a baby. They found a young child. Jesus was probably already two years old when they got there. Well, how do you know that? Because Herod killed everybody that was two years old and younger. He wanted to make sure that he got the right one. 
But they came into the house, they fell down and they worshipped him and, and then they opened their treasures they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense and myrrh. That journey cost them time, it cost them money, it cost them their precious gifts that they brought. You know, they only had partial knowledge uh, about the scriptures uh, about the Jewish Messiah because otherwise they'd have known to look for the infant in Bethlehem instead of going to Herod and asking him, hey, where's he at? But then on the other side of it, you got the Jewish community in Jerusalem. You know, they had a firm grasp on the, on the Bible. You know, the, the scholars that were there in the, in the palace with Herod that advised him on spiritual things. You know, they, they had the letter of the law and they lived according to the scriptures and they did what they were supposed to do. They did all the rituals, followed the commandments. They knew about God from the scriptures. But when the wise men show up here and the religious leaders were shocked, hey, the Messiah's been born. I believe it even says in the scripture that they were disturbed and that they were troubled But when they heard it. They hadn't seen the star in the sky. They didn't, couldn't interpret its meaning. They had no clue the king had been born. Took some pagan Gentile astrologers to tell them about the Messiah. And they were supposed to know about it. Imagine that. Somebody who practices magic and witchcraft coming in and say, Hey, your, your Messiah has been born. Where's he at? They were upset. But you know, we got people today that they're more interested in following what the, the letter of the law says and doing this and doing that and following a list of do's and don'ts and, instead of having a relationship with Jesus. But here they are. They've traveled hundreds of miles to find the Messiah. Tell the religious leaders and, and Herod that the king's been born and Herod looks at him and says, go seek him and find him. And when you found him, come back and tell me so that we can come and worship him too. Here they are. They've already been told, hey, he's been born. But they couldn't be bothered to get up and go find him for themselves. Of course, they wouldn't want to go worship him. But, you know, why would God tell the Magi about Jesus and not the religious leaders? Because they're more concerned with their rituals and their laws and their rules than they were about the Messiah. You know, we can have knowledge of the Bible. We can even have religious convictions. We can live out God's commands to the letter and miss the point that we got to have a relationship with Jesus. And God wants us to find that and seek that out. You know, what, what we find out is when, when we seek him, we're going to find him. You know, Jesus once said in the words, seek and you'll find, knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. So if we look for him, we're going to find him. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6, Paul said this, And without faith it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So when we find him, when we have a relationship with him, when we're having that relationship with God through Jesus Christ, things fall into place. You know, the Magi were rewarded for their obedience in their journey to come and meet, meet Jesus. After they had come and given their gifts, the Lord spoke to them through a dream. Hey, go some other way. Don't go back. 
You know, when we come to church, when we live good lives, it's because our primary focus should be on seeking Jesus. To search him out, to try and find a way to draw nearer to him, to draw closer to him in our walk. But a lot of us are like the religious leaders in that day. We think just doing our religious duty is enough. Well, I go to church on Sunday morning. I give them the offering. I, I, I pay my tithes. You know, paying tithes is a wrong attitude. We give tithes. We give offerings. Why? Because God has freely given to us, and we in return give back to him. Amen? So we have to watch our attitude. Our attitude means a lot whenever we're coming before God and we're doing things. But we need to seek Jesus. We need to worship him. You know, the wise men offered valuable gifts. What do you offer God? Now here's the thing. Worship isn't an option. We have to worship him. Once the wise men reached Jesus, it says the first thing that they did was they worshiped. Just like the shepherds that had already visited him whenever he was laying in a manger, the shepherds came in and they worshipped. The wise men came in and they worshipped. And then, verse 11 says, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of frankincense and of myrrh. They bowed down and they worshipped you know, one way to worship was to bow down low before another. Here they are, these magi, here, these kings from the east. They come in and, and they bowed down before this little child and they worshiped. Signal submission to someone else having authority over them. You know, today we say that Jesus is Lord over our life and we submit ourselves to his authority. But are we worshiping him like the, we should be, you know? We will bow our heads in prayer, and that's, that's a form of submission, but a lot of times we won't get down and pray. We don't want to, somebody to see us getting down and kneeling down at the altar. And we need to be in the altar more and more as the day goes by. But they worshiped. They bowed down before him, but then they worshiped again. They, they brought offerings. They presented an offering. Three gifts were presented to Jesus as a sign of worship. And here's the thing. We don't know if it was three kings. We don't know if it was seven kings. We don't, we don't know if it was 30 kings that came. All we know is there was three gifts. It says kings from the east, magi, came. And they brought gold and frankincense and myrrh, and they bowed down. And they presented their offering as a sign of worship. So worship means to offer something. You know, we worship when we, when we give our offering. We worship by giving our time. We worship by offering ourselves to God. We worship by offering what is valuable to us. The gifts that the Magi brought were valuable. They were given at great cost to themselves. And Jesus deserved offerings worthy of his kingship. Why did they bring them? Because God always makes a way. God always provides. God always makes provision. When Jesus was going, going through the city and, and Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was coming, what did Zacchaeus do? Zacchaeus ran and he climbed up in a tree so that he could see Jesus and so that Jesus could see him. But if God hadn't provided that tree to be there in that exact place, then Zacchaeus never would have seen Jesus. God always provides. 
So they brought the gold, treasure deserving of a king, frankincense, a fragrant scent that was offered to God during sacrificial worship. Could only be offered to God by a priest, and Jesus is our high priest. Amen. And myrrh was used as an oil to prepare a body for burial. I'm sure it was in what they had brought and were going to embalm Jesus with when they went to the tomb that day. But it was a gift symbolizing the preservation of life. A gift for a Savior that would die for us all. But they all came at significant cost to the ones that brought them. Worship should cost us something. So what gifts do we bring, do we offer to God that cost us something of ourselves? But the journey to Christ by the Magi, you know, they went and they offered and they, they, they came, they bowed down, they worshiped, they made their offerings, and then they were getting ready to head back and tell Herod, and then they had a dream. Something else we need to pay attention to and learn from the, from the Magi. Always be open to God's leading. You know, the wise men obeyed God's direction because they didn't return back and tell Herod where Jesus was. They came and they, they gave the gifts. The, the Magi had a dream to go another way. Don't go tell Herod. And Joseph had a dream. God told him, take Mary and Jesus and go to Egypt. They'd have never been able to go if the Magi hadn't have brought the gifts to them. God provided for them to be able to live while they were in exile. But they obeyed God's direction. They didn't return to Herod. And, and, and the journey to Christ and their reward of faith had taught them to always be open to God's leading. We need to always be open to God's leading. We need to listen whenever God is trying to talk to us. You know, there isn't ever a point in our lives when we can say that we've arrived, that we finally got it all figured out. Because you know what? Left alone with our own devices, we'll make a mess of anything. We always have to seek him. We need to worship him. But these things aren't one-time events. This is an everyday thing. We need to seek him every day. We need to worship him every day. We need to listen to him every day. We need to follow his leading every day. Have to continue to remain open to God. Verse 12 in uh, Matthew 2 says this, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. But even though the wise men had found the Christ child and they had worshipped him, they weren't done. It wasn't, okay, I did my duty. Now we can just go back to the way things were. I'm glad that's over. Let's get back to our regular life. But their seeking God didn't end with meeting Jesus that day. They continued to listen, had to dream, go back another way. They were magi. These were men whose job it was to interpret dreams. So God gave them a message in a dream. Spoke to them in a way they'd understand. They recognized it was a message from God. They obeyed it. They didn't go back and tell Herod because God knew that Herod was making a plan. He was going to kill him. And here it is. Point's clear. Just because we've sought Jesus and we found him, doesn't mean we're at the end of our journey. We're just starting. 
God wants us to be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. God wants his, his presence to, to lead and to, and to direct our paths. It might not be a dream, but God still speaks to us in other ways. You want to know what God has to say to you? Open that book up. He wants to talk to you. He wants you to pray. You know what prayer is? Prayer isn't going and telling God everything you want. You know, a lot of people treat God like Santa Claus. They want to go and they want to climb up on his lap and in three seconds tell him everything that they have need of and everything that they want, everything that they desire, and then run off. Prayer is talking to God. You know, I wouldn't talk to my wife very much if all she did is she came in from her day at work and she sat down and she told me everything that she had had to say and then she got up and walked off and didn't listen to what I had to say, which isn't much most of the time. But that's the way we treat God. We go in and we sit down and we talk to him and we tell him everything we got going on and all our problems and all our wants and all our dreams. And then we get up and we leave and we don't let him tell us what his dreams are for us. God promises that if we'll seek him, we'll find him. And we'll be rewarded for our journey. You know, I think everybody in here has, has a relationship with God, but we need a deeper relationship with God. Don't give up on the journey. God hasn't given up on you. Are you a worshiper? What have you offered him? What kind of worship have you offered to God? I can tell you what he wants the most. It's not your money or your time. God likes for you to give those things because it blesses you. But what God wants is you. Every part of you. All of you. And what we have to do is we have to be like the Magi. We have to open ourselves up to God leading our life. You know, God continues to speak to, speak to us to let us know where we need to be, to let us know what, what we need to do, to let us know what things we need to let go of. And he'll talk to us if we'll pray and we'll listen. If we'll read a scripture and be open to it and understanding of it. We don't want to find ourselves in Herod's shoes. And the religious leaders that claimed they wanted to meet Jesus. But they were only interested in their own selfish agenda. They were only interested in their own things. God wants us to follow his agenda. God wants to lead you. God wants to direct you. God wants to place you in the place that you can be the greatest blessing. And that you can receive the greatest blessing in your life. But we have to be willing to follow. Have to be willing to look to Jesus. Where God says, and looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one that's trying to write our life story. We need to stop trying to take the pen out of his hand. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's all stand up. Father God, we're thankful today, Lord God, for the opportunity to be in your house, Lord. God, to come into your presence to know you as Lord God. We ask you, Father, that you let us leave this place today, Lord. God, understanding and knowing that we need to seek you above all else, Lord. God, that we need to have that relationship with Jesus Christ, Lord. That we can be, Lord, what you have called us to be. That we can walk according to your ways. God, that we can seek you, Lord God, and be a light to those that we come in contact with. Lord, we just praise you today. Help us, Lord God, to be changed, Lord. 
Let us spend time with you, Lord God, and be, be drawn into your presence, Lord. Your word says that if we would seek you, that we would find you, Lord. God, help us, Lord, to look to you in everything, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.